Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Thursday, November 17th. That means it's time for my favorite show, your favorite show of the week. It's Stat Nerd Thursday, where we give you an interesting stat or something you need to know about all 32 NFL teams. I'm joined as I am every Thursday, every Stat Nerd Thursday, by the great, the terrific, Dalton Del Don. Dalton, how you doing, buddy? Doing all right, Harmon. Got to watch the Niner game in person Sunday night, but my son got me sick. Uh, pulled ah. off as long as you can to have kids. I implore you. Uh, so you I'm fighting it. through it, though. But uh, we'll, uh, we'll we'll power through it. What's up, man? Yeah, man. Uh, I feel for you, bro. Hopefully uh, you get better soon. But it uh, must have been pretty fun to be at that Niners game. Um, you know, Our guy, Brandon Ayuk, was playing pretty well other than a couple of big mistakes, man. Uh, but we'll we'll talk about that later. That was an interesting one to see Elijah Mitchell in there. But again, we'll, we'll get to... We'll get to our five Niner minutes here later in the show, although not too much later as they're rising up the rankings here. What we do on this show every Thursday, we go from the best to the worst record because that's the incentive to win in the NFL is to be higher up in this show's order. And we give you one stat that you need to know about that team. And we're starting with the new team, Dalton. Now that the Eagles have lost, we're starting with the Minnesota Vikings. Um, before before we get to the stat, and you, you brought a good one, I, I want to ask you this question, Dalton. It's a very simple one. Are the Vikings a, let's say, are they a great team this year? No, they're eight and one in their home dogs this week. So, I mean, mm. I know. I, I mean, I, again, I have a, a, a 40 to one or 50 to one. I can't remember. Super Bowl ticket on them. And I'm not excited about it. I'm just maybe I'm too much into YPA, but that passing offense has not been what I expected with the new coaching staff and the win loss record is hiding problems. But having said that, no NFC NFC team stands out. I mean, I understand the Eagles were undefeated until a second ago, but, you know, I mean, I think the NFC is pretty wide open and they could sneak out of there. I mean, it's possible, but they're they're not as good as their eight and one record suggests. Again, they are home dogs this week. Yeah. 
if it, I mean, it's just, you know, it's Kirk Cousins. I think that that definitely like the stink of Kirk Cousins gives them like sort of the vibe of like, can they actually make a deep playoff run, stuff like that. But I don't know. I'm I'm definitely in like the, the Vikings are where they're like, you are what your record says you are. Yeah, they went into Buffalo and won. I mean, that's, right. that's not it. And that's not nothing. I mean. Yeah, they've definitely got a lot of strengths. All right. The stat that you brought to the table here, Dalvin Cook's total targets. Weeks one through six, just 16. Since their bye in week eight, weeks eight through 10, um, 17 targets. That's really nice because that was something that there's been a, a lot of the offseason rhetoric around Minnesota and like changing to being a very pass heavy offense, stuff like that. One of the big ones was Dalvin Cook's going to be more involved as a pass catcher. Hasn't really happened, but it's starting to get there. And that matters a lot for his fantasy stock. Yeah, he had been real reliant on one big play, and he, he kept making it happen, including an 81-yarder last week. But these targets were huge. He had gone, before that stretch, he had got, gotten five targets total over four-game span. So coming out of the bye, it makes sense that maybe they made a fundamental change. So if you're, deb- obviously you're starting Cook, but if you're debating DFS among these other higher-salaried backs, that's something that really, you know, that's an eye-opening stat there, that he's really, really been far more involved in the, as, in the passing game since the bye. Yeah, and right, like Dalvin Cook is running back nine on the season, and I, I feel like there's a little bit of, okay, he, is he kind of disappointing? Is he not that great of a draft pick? But, I mean, you could have done a lot worse than Dalvin Cook in your fantasy draft, so it's good to see him getting those targets. Uh, we got a big pre- piece of news item this morning, and it r- correlates to our stat here for the Eagles. No tight end has run a route on a higher percentage of his team's drop back than Dallas Goddard at 85.9%. He, of course, was placed on IR. He's going to miss at least four weeks. Which is brutal, obviously, for the Eagles. Uh, it's also brutal for fantasy managers, as as Dallas Goddard, I think, was the consensus tight end three in like rest of season rankings. A guy that was uh, a clear cut difference maker at the position, and unfortunately, now um, you know fantasy managers and the Eagles will have to adjust to life without him. Yeah, brutal loss if you had Goddard. Uh, no clear replacement on the Eagles. Uh, I bumped up A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith in my ranks this week significantly as a result. Not a great matchup against the Colts who've really shut down receivers uh, this week. But indoors, coming off that loss, um, they're going to they're gonna benefit. They're, they're, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith absolutely see a fantasy boost with the Goddard going down news. It's been a little bit of a struggle to get, like, AJ Brown and Devonte Smith popping off at the same time. Um, even against the commanders on Monday, like AJ Brown has a really out of character, quiet game. And Devonte Smith had a pretty decent game. Uh, went under his 54 and a half um, over under prop on bad MGM by a real, a real small margin there. That was not fun uh, for me being here in a, in a legal betting state, but you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, Regardless, though, I, I think that Dallas Goddard going down makes like Devonte Smith probably close to like an every week start at wide receiver because I expect this team to still be very good. And you know, not only do they not have like a replacement at tight end, you know, it's not as if Quez Watkins is suddenly going to become a high targeted player like Zach Pascal, something like that, is not going to step into the void. So um, I think Devonte Smith uh, inches into like every week start territory with no Dallas Goddard uh, for the foreseeable future for the Philadelphia Eagles. Next one up here, Kansas City Chiefs, Kadarius Tony. In quarters one to two, 42.4 snap rate, uh, 18.2 targets per route run, 23.4% slot rate, just 9.5% of the team targets overall. In quarters three and four against the Jacksonville Jaguars without Juju Smith-Schuster out there, 48.3% snap rate, 50% targets per route run, 35.7% slot rate. I think that's a pretty interesting increase. And 21% of the team targets Overall, you brought this one to the table. Um, this is a this is a good one because right now 
not none of Juju, Nicole Hardman, or MVS is practicing as we're taping this here on Wednesday for, um, I think MVS has an illness. Nicole Hardman has an illness to his abdomen. I don't really know what that means. And Juju, obviously, uh, he's had a pretty rough concussion against Jags in Week 10. Yeah, depending on uh, how many of those injured receivers suit up Sunday, uh, Tony could be ranked very aggressively, as high as top 25, if not top 20 on my receiver board. If all three of those guys were to miss this game, um, look at the targets uh, once Juju left. So it'll be more difficult, unfortunately, because it's a Sunday night game. So hopefully we do receive some clarity there. That was obviously a hard hit that Juju took. Um, Tony's obviously a talented player. Do you see the where he was adjusting his gloves mid-throw mid and he still was able to pull it down? And now he's in an Andy Reid offense and maybe thriving and going to get some targets from Patrick Mahomes. So um, if you start and you're doing your wide receiver ranks too, it becomes question marks after the top 20 anyway. So he has a ton of upside. I hate to see the injuries, but the opportunities come quicker than expected. I mean, I wasn't like Tony's going to be a league winner because he joined the Chiefs because I thought that, you know, they're spreading it around. But if three guys go down in front of him, then yeah, he could be a league winner for your fantasy playoffs if these guys remain out. And I think the thing with uh, Kadarius Tony is like he's still not like a you know traditional route runner. He's still not like a, a ready yes. to be like that type of guy. But the Chiefs have done a great job, and Andy Reid's always done a great job with designing touches to these type of gadget players, which is what I think Kadarius Tony is. And the two big guys, like the MVS injury, almost doesn't really matter to me. Like when it comes to Kadarius Tony, like if he ends up getting out there, like he practically plays with the illness, whatever. I don't really care about that. What I care about is Juju not being out Juju, there because yeah. he's sure. more of a pre-snap motion guy, slot guy, and especially McCole Hardman. Like I think Kadarius Tony was going to have a big, like the forty-two percent snap rate in the first half. That doesn't really change that much between the 48% uh, one because I think he's a natural placement for what they've been asking Mecole Hardman to do this year, which is mostly to be a design touches type of guy. Almost, I think, I, I don't know, whichever one of you goofballs I've talked about it with, I think it's Andy who said he's like almost their red zone goal line back, Mecole Hardman, you know, because they get him the ball in those areas, like out in the flat, they get him, uh, you know, moving on jet sweep, stuff like that. Like Canary's Tony can 100% do that. So, I think he makes a lot of sense uh, with everything that you're saying there from a rankings perspective. Yeah, I even saw uh, Tony compared to Debo and people back in New York yeah. use him that way. So it's like the perfect comp. And Hardman somehow has been a top 30-ish whatever fantasy receiver this year with 25 catches. So yes, it's all that work in, in the red zone area, the easy flip scores, and the team cannot run the ball. So uh, I guess Pacheco will get more of a chance now, but I think it's a real nice setup for Tony. Uh, I, I hear he's not going to be consistent. He's not running the full route tree, but given that offensive environment yeah, and now with the increased targets, it's a real nice setup. What's your Pacheco take just while we're, while we're, uh, while we're here? Yeah, I mean, you got to move him way up. Um, I don't know. He doesn't seem like it's, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like he's going to be, uh, I, I think CH is going to be remain involved. They've even chattered that Reed, you know, said he's going to get it back. I don't know if the injuries have just totally sapped him, but I'm not over. I'm, I'm more excited about Tony, I guess is my take there. I don't think the team can just simply run the ball as well. Pacheco's not a special player, whereas Tony's is crazy talent. So I'm more excited about the, the Tony news that I am, the P Pacheco news. Yep, 100% agree with you on that one. Um, next team up here, we've got the New York Giants. Since week seven, Darius Slayton has a 21% target share and a 38% share of the team air yards. You know, Dalton, <laughs> obviously last week he gets loose on like a, an over route, a deep over route against the, the Houston Texans because the Texans defense stinks. But um, 
I as I've said this about Darius Slayton for a while now, like he's pretty good. Like he's not, a, I mean, he's like Scott Pianowski's favorite player in the NFL, but he's like a pretty good player. Um, has he, has he reached the point now, Darius Slayton, because of the opportunity here and because he's going to get those, the deep over, like I mentioned, he's going to get those downfield targets more than Wandale Robinson is, who's actually run uh, more routes than Darius Slayton in this same stretch since week seven. But has Darius Slayton kind of gotten onto the like every week flex consideration now with this opportunity and obviously with the, his skills and the depth chart sort of combined there? So in this week's matchup, I, I have him as my 25th receiver. I'm ranking him aggressively uh, compared to ECR, it looks like. Um, I just You, you got to realize that it's been a part, it's, his stats could be much greater if, if not for volume. Uh, the team has just not had to pass the ball, especially last week in that Texans game. But Darius Slayton's number six in yards per route run, number three in yards per target, number 11 in fantasy points per target. Kenny Galladay had that awful drop and was benched. I mean, it's just Slayton and no one else there. Uh, I mean, yes, Robinson we like at the underneath, but I think Slayton, just the fact that a little bit more of a downfield threat. I know the one play resulted in his big stats last week, but they're going to have to pass more moving forward. This, Especially this week, the Lions allow an NFL high seven point eight yards per attempt so i think slayton's good i don't think there's much competition for targets and i think the lions have also don't get me wrong i'm ranking barkley number one but if you look at them since the bye they've kind of tightened up their run defense a little bit at least not the absolute worst um but they're still involved in all these shootouts so uh, i mean not counting justin fields obviously i mean against running backs specifically i think this is set up for maybe more daniel jones and, and darius slayton to have real nice games in one of the games with the highest over under of the week I like that call. Yeah, Darius Slayton makes for a really good, like, sneaky flex start, I think, this week. The, the matchup with the Lions is a good note to point out. Uh, next one up here comes in. Uh, it's about the Miami Dolphins. It comes in. You brought it to the table from Akash Anavarathan. Stat here, eight-plus defenders in the box. Uh, Jeff Wilson, week five against San Francisco, or with the San Francisco 49ers, 71% A-plus <laughs> uh, defenders in the box. Uh, Jeff Wilson in week 10 with the Miami Dolphins, 12% in terms of eight plus uh, defenders in the box on his carries. Uh, Akash points out that's what having Tyree kill Jalen Waddle and a vertically threatening offense does for your run game. And I mean, I, I know it's the Browns defense Dalton, but I was getting pretty gassed up watching Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Just, I mean, we talked, I've talked about like the spacing that Tyree kill and uh, Jalen Waddle, having them on the field just presents to a presents the offense in the passing game. Now that they have like not Chase Edmonds back there uh, and they have two guys that can do it. And I think their offensive line is quietly coalescing a little bit. We're really seeing the effects that those two receivers can have on the running game as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was a real uh, benefit facing the Browns defense last week, but still Jeff Wilson has immediately taken over that backfield. Mostert's injury prone. It's good in the, the probably the goal line back too. So um, yeah, it's encouraging. And this, that stat was just eye opening. Not much more to add to it other than yeah, Tyreek Hill and Waddle and Tua going deep is so drastically different than the Niners offense of all underneath stuff. So it's really going to help open those holes. I mean, the Shanahan running game is obviously beneficial in its own right, but that is just a crazy stat as far as the men in the box versus Wilson compared to his last team. Well, and it's like, who is ever going to, obviously 12% is not 0%, but still like, who's ever going to bring that extra safety down to like, Oh, you know what we really got to do? We really got to stop Jeff Wilson. Okay. Like we, we really got to, got to bring a safety down to stop this run game. Like in certain situations in certain um, like down and distance in the red zone, uh, near the goal line, stuff like that, you're going to get the eighth defender of the box. But for the most part, <laughs> this, be like, this is going to be the easiest job in the world for Jeff Wilson. 
you know what else is helpful to for fantasy managers is having a head coach going for it in the f- first quarter with nine minutes left from his own 37-yard line. I mean, McDaniel did that last week. I mean, he's just so aggressive. It's just wild to see uh, him come from the Shanahan tree and be literally the opposite in fourth down decision making. Yeah, completely the opposite, uh, which it's just so weird that that Kyle is like that. And and McVay, too. And McVay is so conservative as well. It's like, yep. I am an offensive genius. I am an offensive genius. Look at my look at my many, many plays and look at these many, many players I've collected to put in my little plays. And it's like, oh, fourth down. No, no, I, I, I can't. We, we can't get this fourth down. Are you kidding me? I mean, it is bizarre. But yeah, dude, McDaniel and especially just having him like seeing the way he interacts with two. I've seen a couple of, um, you know, sideline videos and stuff like that. It just the coach of the year market is really hard this year. Um, you know, like how is Brian Dayball not just going to moonwalk to being the coach of the year? But man, I mean, Mike McDaniel makes a really compelling case, like literally as a coach. And um, I don't, I don't know that. Like I know there's been a lot of talk about like what is an outside the box hire? Like could the Jeff Saturday coaching hire actually lead to you know in a in a roundabout way lead to more players? not having to prove themselves and like the grunt, the stupid grunt jobs, like as a, you know, 30 year old or whatever, but like Mike McDaniel, probably not necessarily like an outside the box hire. Cause he was a longtime NFL assistant, but still wasn't a guy like rose up the ranks pretty fast. And it looks like a huge home run. So maybe it'll, it'll cause um, some sort of outside the box thinking, not just these like old grizzled dudes that have been around forever. Yeah, I know to a, Pacing the league in YPA. He has not lost a game this year that he started and finished. Very impressive. He's like EPA. He's like the number one EPA quarterback by a lot, too. Like, he's been unbelievably good. And obviously, those skill position players help. But, like, no, Mike McDaniel went out and we, they got those skill position players because of what he wanted to do on offense. And I mean, it's just an amazing coaching job. Um, not so amazing, Dalton, is the Baltimore uh, passing game right now. Lamar Jackson ranks 26 in total EPA when targeting outside wide receivers on the season. So some of that. Um, I could have dove in a little more and like, how do I remove the like big Rashad Bateman first two weeks, right? Where especially that game against the Dolphins, I should have done it from like weeks three on because obviously that play is going to, you know, just boost up your total EPA. But I mean, my God, it's hard to, it's hard to overstate how bad that outside passing game has been because they're playing with goofball players. And I'm a little concerned here that, you know, they originally said Mark Andrews, uh, and obviously he doesn't play outside wide receiver, but you know, he needs to come back at some point. And, at this point, they said Mark Andrews' injury was not that serious. They also said Rashad Bateman's injury was not that serious. He's on IR now, and we're here on Wednesday. Mark Andrews was not spotted at practice on Wednesday. Yeah, that's obviously key. Um, the receivers are so thin. And conversely, Kenyon Drake looked good before the bye. Uh, looked like he, even the coach was saying, um, Harbaugh was saying, you know, he learned in the scheme. Gus Edwards returned to practice. That defense, they made some sneaky moves, is suddenly loaded. Point being, they may not have to pass the ball a ton, and they don't want to. So, obviously, Lamar is going to continue to run the ball. Uh, he'll be top five fantasy QB, but the upside to be number one, well, he could still finish number one given now with Allen's injury, but, you know, his overall upside is dramatically lower because of the receivers. It's no fault of his own. It's not a surprise. He's struggled on the outside receivers throwing down this year. And I think this year, moving moving forward, this is the team that's going to win with defense and just running the ball like crazy, especially if Andrews can't get back on the field. Isaiah likely go ahead and treat him as a top 12 fantasy tight end for any any game in which Andrews is out. It's nice that he got all. I mean, it was literally all one catch. I know. (laughs) It'll still be Uh, there, though. I mean, there's no one else there on the roster. It's he's got to be the guy. I mean, it has to be. 
Yeah, and Saints historically do have a good defense in terms of allowing production to tight ends, so it wasn't like the cleanest spot in the entire world, but he still got the touchdown. Like If you start him in fantasy, Isaiah likely, that's totally fine. Um, so I agree with you on that, and yeah, it's, it's just a shame like the the Ravens offense shouldn't look like this, but it does look like this. And uh, but I do think Lamar is going to just end up proving his worth more and more. So that's good for him. You mentioned Josh Allen and the injury. Um, Josh Allen right now in the last two weeks, eighteen late down pass attempts. Again, that's third and fourth down. He's averaging sixteen point one air yards per attempt, which is crazy. I believe it's the, I, I you know it's right ahead. It's like the third highest. Right. I said Marcus Mariota was the fourth highest earlier. Josh Allen's the the third highest in this span, but he has just 5.8 yards per attempt on those plays overall. So you see the high air yards total. You see the low raw air yards total. Things are not working out. He has a 40.3 pass rating on those uh, throws. I am a little concerned that like the Josh Allen thing, I don't know how much the injury has to do with it. What I am more concerned about is the fact that we're, we've seen Josh Allen the last two weeks and look, it's two weeks. Who cares in the long run? But I'm a little nervous that in these two weeks, we've seen like kind of, reckless, uh, you know, YOLO ball type play from Josh Allen where we had kind of gotten that out of his game, especially early this year. Yeah, I believe he leads the league in interceptions. A um, couple key things to think about this week is the the weather. This game may actually be moved. It's supposed to snow like absolutely crazy in Buffalo. That over-unders all the way down to 41 points. And they're facing a Browns defense that's apparently allowing the most EPA per rush through 10 weeks of, of any season going back to 2010. Um, so it might be a Singletary week. Uh, Allen, I think he's playing through a UCL injury, and this is kind of who he is. He is going to have stretches where the turnovers will be there. Um, I don't know. Are you overly concerned? Um, I think I've mentioned this on the show before that all probably multiple times that all of my good fantasy teams this year, not all, not all of them, but like the ones that are really good and the ones that I really care about, they all have Josh Allen on them. So um, in that way, yes, I am very concerned about this situation, but like in terms of projecting long-term stuff like that, you know, look, guys go through blips. You know, we've, we've seen this, like Josh Allen has gone through blips before. I mean, even the, um, the Rams last year, like before they go and win the Super Bowl, they had a whole series where Stafford was was terrible, right? Like um, at a different point of last year, you know, Mahomes obviously went through a bit of a cold stretch last year. And, you know, every goofball on TV is like, is this uh, the Chiefs been figured out like that? Those are things that happen. Just the way that it's been is a little concerning. And also the, com- the combination of the elbow injury. Um, I'm trying not to freak out about it. But I mean, obviously, I've got one eyebrow raised at it for sure. What about you? Um, over the last month, I just have to tell you, Gabe Davis, 22% target rate. No, Allen's going to be fine, assuming the UCL injury he puts behind him. I just, I, I'm not overly concerned about the, the turnovers. I think he's going to be a beast fantasy stardom. The biggest concern this week is the weather. That 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 is the concern for for Allen. I think he's going to be fine, but. Yeah, he's just that's what he is. He's a, he's a he's a risky player and they throw the ball like crazy. I hope Buffalo doesn't stop being aggressive because of it cuz that would be bad news for fantasy managers all around. All right, next team up here, Dallas Cowboys. CeeDee Lamb has lined up in the slot on 60% of his routes since Dak Prescott and Michael Gallup returned in week 7. Um 17 of Lamb's 28 targets have come from when he's lined up in the slot in this span and he's averaging 3.75 uh, yards per route run. I think you sent this one in from Graham Barfield if I remember correctly. Yeah, and I selfishly wanted to ask you this. What I know back in the day, slot used to be a bad thing. Then it became a really good thing. And now you're like, well, you want the best receiver on the outside. So you tell me, is this good for fantasy value moving CeeDee Lamb uh, in the slot? Uh, maybe it's a case-by-case basis is what you're probably going to say. But for CeeDee Lamb here, was it, it, what, do you th- what are your thoughts? 
I think it's, I mean, well, I actually think it's a good thing. I think like the more you line up, like the more you line up your number one receiver in the slot, like the better um, in, in like situational um, standpoints. Like if you have a guy that um, can beat press, can beat man, like you can, you can line them up outside and it's fine. You know, you, you, you actually probably want them outside threatening vertically in that way. Um, you know, it's kind of why I, I balked at the idea that, oh, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson is going to line up in the slide. He's going to play the Cooper Cup role. It's like, well, he doesn't, Cooper Cup has to play that role because of his skill set. Justin Jefferson does not have to play that role. Like, he is a superstar receiver who can beat man coverage, press coverage on the outside. That's totally So it's almost example. a knock on Lamb. No, no, no. I don't. I don't think it necessarily has to be a knock on Lamb uh, because I think, by the way, C.D. Lamb can beat press man coverage on the outside. I think it's advantageous to stick a number one receiver in the slot like that. Okay. I think it right. makes easy throws for the quarterback. One, if I, if the one criticism I think you could give C.D. Lamb is that he's not the, that like he's not super physical as a player. So maybe um, what I, I do think he's a good route runner. I think he. Um, is great about knowing when to break in certain areas, especially against zone coverage, stuff like that. So putting him inside makes a lot of sense. Like I also just think it creates better and more easy throws for the quarterback. And really just like, I mean, I think they could probably be, I think they could probably be a little less static with their receiver usage. Like I think they could move Michael Gallup around, but I don't think Gallup's looked that good since he's gotten back. Of course not. He's, he's so fresh off a torn ACL. Uh, but anyways, yeah, I, I'm not saying I'm not, I don't think it has to be a negative for CD Lamb, and I think it actually can be good to move. Like I've I've have said for years that you should take your number one receiver and get him targets out of the slot because they're so much easier than targets on the outside. Yeah, well, three touchdowns, 22 targets over the last two weeks. Certainly uh, good news for fantasy managers, that usage for CD. So curious if they continue to use him that way. Curious when Zeke returns. But um, yeah, uh, hard to argue with those results. Uh, and, and my guy Dalton Schultz uh, suddenly is like, I mean, especially with Goddard going down, he's probably what the, I mean, if uh, if Andrews and uh, returns and Kelsey, obviously, Schultz might be the number three tight end moving forward, given the targets and Prescott back. And he looks like he's over that knee injury. Am I am I off base on that? Nope, I think you're right about that. Um, and yeah, the more we can get Ceedee Lamb in this position, I think the more he can have these like eruption games that I think he's been capable of all along. The circumstances just haven't really lined up for it. So um, you but know, yeah, the no, biggest I, argument it, it, to Schultz, sorry to cut you off, is in the, is in this very matchup. It's Hawkinson if he's going to get targeted like that with with Cousins. He he would be the other argument. Which one would you rather have then? Uh, probably Hawk, a little younger, not not with that PCL knee injury earlier. But yeah, okay, I take it back. But right there, those are the next two at, right after Andrews and Kelsey. It, it's Hawk and Schultz moving forward. Yeah, I think that's 100% right. All right, next one here, New York Jets. Since week eight, Michael Carter, uh, you know, we talk, I, I, the reason I brought up the running backs is because I feel like we talk about the damn passing game with the Jets all the time. We talk about Garrett Wilson. We talk about Zach Wilson. We talk about um, what's going to happen with Elijah Moore. We talked about that on the last episode of this podcast. So if you missed that, just go back and listen to it. I wanted to focus in on the running backs a little bit, Dalton, because like Michael Carter, I think the opportunity has been really good since Brees Hall went down. He went down in week seven. So since week eight, Michael Carter, 40% of the team carries, 44% routes per drop back, 14% target share. Compare that to James Robinson, 38% of the team carries, that's pretty close, but 19% routes per drop back, 5.2% target share. Michael Carter right now, he's not as good as Brees Hall, but like this run game is still really good. And I feel like Michael Carter is going a little underrated as like an, a potentially every week RB2 start in fantasy. 
And this matchup against uh, New England, I feel like it'd be more of a passing down back. So I like Carter more of the setup than James Robinson. Seems like Belichick really knows how to defend Zach Wilson. Um, but really good defense, Jets. Uh, he may going to split work with Robinson, but if he gets the uh, the the passing down role on a team, uh, you know that's that could be in a pretty good game script. So I like Robinson as well as a you know a, certainly a flex option down the stretch. Yeah, that's a good call. All right, next team up is the Titans, but we'll get to them when we do Thursday night football. Next one up here, Seattle Seahawks. Since week eight, Kenneth Walker has a 14.3% target share. Noah Fant has a 12.2% target share. Um, you know, I think this is interesting because these, like, look, Kenneth Walker adding a new wrinkle to his skill set, like, that was the big thing on him coming out of college, right? Oh, he doesn't catch passes, he doesn't catch passes. Well, sometimes it's just he wasn't asked to catch passes. I remember uh, my buddy Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network, like, pounding the table that, like, Mel Tucker, the head coach of Michigan State, had sent him film of, like, Kenneth Walker catching passes in practice and be like, no, this is really a thing he can do. We just, we just don't ask him to do it. So, like, it looks like Kenneth Walker, if not that he needed it, but has even more ammunition for his case to be, um, like, a clear-cut top 10 running back rest of season. But I don't know. The Noah Fant 12% target share is interesting, and the results have been there for Noah Fant the last couple of weeks uh, as well. Weirdly for Kenneth Walker coming off that matchup where he had 10 carries, 17 yards, no touchdowns, I was weirdly more encouraged because he had just been so bailed out by touchdown runs in the fourth quarter to save his fantasy value. But the eight targets, you love to see that, man. That is what's so encouraging. Coming off the season high four the game before. so uh, And, and facing a tough Bucks defense, it's way different with the healthy uh, Akeem Hicks there too. So that's a tough run defense. His last outing, I'm not worried about him getting shut down on the ground. Uh, Carroll was talking about how it was a a joke in the the turf in Germany to play through. So yeah, it was very encouraging. If, if Walker is going to be a passing down, get see those targets, then uh, yeah, I mean, absolutely, top five, top three fantasy upside moving forward. Yeah, that'd be encouraging. Anything on Noah Fant? Like, I mean, we're looking for tight ends here, Dalton, and like you know, he's he's got but, at least but Disley's into the still there though. I mean, yeah, I but know. I mean, the problem is Disley's Disley's there and and a healthy Metcalf and Lockett. So I mean, sure, you can use Fant if you need to, but uh, I mean, that's I don't know, it's not ideal. Hey man, I'm 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 just asking. <laughs> I'm telling. Yeah. Well, there's your answer if you're that curious. All right, Cincinnati Bengals. T. Higgins has just 109 yards on just. I think just is and only just and only are the are the words here uh, for these two numbers. 109 yards on 14 targets since Jamar Chase went down. But Dalton, I know you. I know you feel this way because we just recorded a video on it. You're pretty encouraged this week for T Higgins. And you think those, um, the, the lack of production there might just be a bit of circumstance. I also think maybe he's hopefully fully recovered over that ankle injury coming off the bye. Uh, Jamar Chase is still out. You may only get one more game. Chase's reports went from still on crutches to maybe being back next week. So uh, one more game possibly, <laughs> but <laughs> you'd think that Higgins would blow up one of these weeks without him. Uh, this is a good one against the Steelers. You know, they rank, the second most fantasy points to receivers, second most passing scores, bottom three in pressure rate. Although TJ Watt is back and the teams that, that play too high have definitely been far more successful against Burrow than otherwise. But I think this is a nice setup for Higgins. You know, Mixon scored all the touchdowns last time the, the Bengals played. So I like Higgins this week as a possible eruption spot. Yeah, really the thing, uh, like if you're trying to tell yourself a story of why this is just a coincidence, like the T. Higgins numbers aren't that great since Jamar Chase went down. Because um, I think people were expecting like, oh, 14 targets, 109 yards in one game, not over the course of two. Um, especially the last time we saw the Bengals, like they just ran all over 
they just they're, they're number one right now, actually, uh, in in the same span here since week seven in EPA per rush. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. A lot of that is because Joe Mixon went crazy against Carolina Panthers, and then you don't need to throw the ball to T. Higgins that much. Uh, so I think that yeah, the week before that they faced the Browns, the league's worst rush defense. So yeah, they're just coming off yeah circumstances for sure. And I think this one will be a little bit different against Pittsburgh, although again not ideal. But I do think Higgins could be looking at double digit targets in this setup. Would love to see it. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll go through the stat you need to know for the rest of the teams in the NFL. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, we're back. Los Angeles Chargers. I said this stat to Austin Eckler yesterday, and he was, I mean, he was just so thrilled. Uh, to hear about it. Justin Herbert has gone under six yards per attempt in four straight games. Although Dalton, as we're, as we're taping right now, I'm getting the alert. It feels weird that like, I feel like, wow, this alert is coming in so late. And I'm like, Oh, right. Idiot. You're on the East coast, not the West coast. Uh, <laughs> Mike Williams and Keenan Allen uh, are going to produce individual drills today. The hope I think is we get one or both this week, but if we don't, man, I mean, there, that's why, you know, I, I, Austin doesn't want to say it. I'll say it for him. Dude's not getting open down the field. Not good players with the wide receiver room right now. That's why this offense is struggling. Uh, but what are your expectations for Allen or uh, William and or Williams uh, if they come back this week? Yeah, I was watching Fred Warner in an interview after the game basically say that they called the same defensive play repeatedly in the second half, and Lombardi just had no no counter whatsoever. Um, they really <sighs> shut down the Chargers after halftime there. So they they badly need some playmakers uh, back there, and so the, it's imperative for Allen and Williams to return as soon as possible. I would, yeah, if they're healthy and they're practicing fully come Friday, I would have no problem moving both or each up to top 20-ish type options right away because uh, they're going to see a, the target and they're badly, badly needed. We know you, your guy, Josh Palmer, um, uh, is not a number one, and Everett's now suffered an injury. Um, Eckler, you know, cannot catch 140 balls, so they really need Allen and Williams back in the worst way. I know what Eckler even said yesterday. He's like, it's not like, a, it's not like I'm a, the first reading the project pro progression either. It's just checkdowns, checkdowns, yeah. checkdowns, and, and it's brutal, man. I mean, it's... It's it's up there. It, nobody will ever take the cake from the Matt Canada offense, but this Chargers offense is is pushing for it, man. It's it's uh it's definitely pushing for it. All right, next one up here, New England Patriots. <laughs> I, I don't know that there's anything applicable to this stat other than just to say yikes, but it, it is pretty yikes. Mac Jones right now ranks 34th in EPA per dropback among quarterbacks. Um, by the way, there's only 32 starting NFL quarterbacks out there. He is now officially below. Baker Mayfield and EPA per drop back. Not the best second season here for, for Mac Jones. I heard that stat too. Yeah, not the best to say the least. Let's hope he doesn't bring down our guy Ramonde Stevenson's fantasy value too much. But um, yeah, I don't know how much it has to do with health or, or how much more we're going to hear about Zappy over the second half of the season. But yeah, a very a lot of eyes are going to be on Mac Jones with the way he's played and especially with an alternative sitting right there. Vibes are just weird. I mean... 
I think that I, my per, my personal theory on this, and it's not like I'm the first one to to posit this, but I think Mac Jones was definitely pissed about the fact like you're really like in my second season, you're really going to turn the reins over to Matt Patricia and like Joe Judge, while you know all these other quarterbacks are going to get boosted up, like you know or whatever. Like we lose Josh McDaniels, and the plan is to hand it over to these dudes. I'm pretty sure I'm sure he chirped about it, and I'm sure Bill hates that, and that's why it's like. That that's that's why we're in this situation with Mac Jones, and he's not performing well in this offense, which isn't well designed. And it's also very weird, yeah. Dalton, that like they do all they like do screens, they do play action, they do RPO, like the the play action rate especially is is drastic when Bailey Zappi's back there versus when Mac Jones is back there, which is also strikes me as as very yeah. strange. You know, it is strange. It's tough to evaluate football sometimes. How much is the play calling? You know, Mac Jones is especially bad. I think he's dead last in EPA per pass on beyond the sticks. It's real. It's really bad downfield. And I remember quarterback guru June Jones was just rave about how he's such a good deep passer uh, in college, Mac Jones. So I don't know. I mean, maybe the environment change, obviously, playing uh, in New England, uh, the weather and whatnot. But it could be it's probably a combination of all factors, but definitely shouldn't be underestimated that he is dealing with, you know, some some weird play calling situation there in New England yeah so far this season um just in terms of play action Bailey Zappi 26.3 percent of his dropbacks um even (laughs) I know Brian Hoyer only had like a couple dropbacks where he got hurt but he was at like 28.6 percent Mac Jones 16.2 percent that's a 10 percent difference it's weird yeah and quarterbacks put up much better numbers typically benefiting off play action so yeah that's that's that is very weird very strange. All right. Next one up here, we have your San Francisco 49ers, Dalton. Um, this is the stat you brought to the table, and I know you've got a couple other ones to bring up here, too. I guess I should start. I'll start the I'll start the clock just in case. I got to do that. I mean, what am I doing here? Come on, bro. All right. We're officially starting the clock. Jacob Gibbs, you brought this stat to the table from uh, Mr. Gibbs, who is, well, Jacob's great. He's got a ton of great stats. In 433 routes run simultaneously over the past calendar year, targets for Brandon Ayuk, 95. Targets for Debo Samuel, 91. Air yards, 864 for Brandon Ayuk, 570 for Debo Samuel. Receiving yards, or no, receiving line in general. 68 catches, 997 yards, four touchdowns for Brandon Ayuk, 56 catches, 851 yards, and three touchdowns for Debo Samuel. Dalton, you know, Debo was just on the podcast yesterday, so, like, I'm not trying to be bagging on Debo here, but, I mean, us Ayuk bros, like, Ayuk better than Debo Samuel. A legit take that you can have right now. Absolutely. Okay. It should be noted that Debo, Jimmy Garoppolo, I should say, missed Debo on what would have been an easy 50-yard touchdown. Uh, he handed it off and the Shanahan calls some plays that are just missed on the field and would be speaking differently of him for fantasy terms had that not happened Monday night. But yeah, this is a real the past calendar year. We're talking uh, 300 more receiving yards. Um, and now Debo's not going to get the carries with CMC and Elijah Mitchell. So it is. Uh, it should be a debate pretty much Debo versus Brandon Ayu. Uh, who do you rank higher in, uh, among fantasy receivers each week? And, you know, you don't hate to see it as uh, Ayuk apologist, uh, Harmon. No, no, you don't hate to see it. I mean, I think from a rest of season rankings perspective, like they should at the very least be absolutely in the same tier. Oh, yeah. Did you see him? What a route he dropped. The, speaking of missed touchdowns, Ayuk actually dropped the touchdown to that yeah. game. But man, what a sick route. Just, oh, man, just repeatedly uh, just burning, burning. Burning defensive, the you know, def- poor defensive backs, just just repeatedly. I'm I'm definitely at the point now where, and I've said this before, but like, 
he needs to be he needs to not be like the the afterthought here like which he still is in like big media stuff it's like oh yeah I, you know though yeah they have Debo Samuel George Kittle um Chris McCaffrey oh yeah and Brandon Ayuk or like if he even gets mentioned at all it's like dude Brandon Ayuk is way more important in this offense than George Kittle right now even obviously from a passing game perspective like by a billion percent like are you are people watching the games or, or are they just going off names and like who's been an all pro before like Brandon Ayuk I think has been their better they're at least their most consistent offensive player this year fantastic downfield blocking too man whatever it took Shanahan in the doghouse he learned to become a quote-unquote professional receiver because uh he's he's doing it even on plays not not going his way so happy to see that with Ayuk um boy conversely uh Kittle he's the afterthought he's the guy who's completely uh you know missing piece in this offense which they continue to add to CMC um by the way uh do we have the stat up there that he actually uh had more uh almost more expected fantasy points than Barkley and how many fewer touches what was I mean, that's really something to note. People are panicking about CMC's usage, but the targets have been there. The red zone was there. And Elijah Mitchell actually was stuffed at the end there, although that was a McGlinchey block. But I think uh, uh, McCaffrey's just fine to be a top five type fantasy back moving forward. If not the number one, it's still uh, no panic. No reason to overly panic. Yeah, you had this. Uh, you said that in an email that uh, Scott Barrett had noted that Saquon Barkley outtouched Christian there. McCaffrey thirty-six to eighteen and only had one more expected fantasy point there you go. than Christian yeah. McCaffrey. Yeah, it, like the the usage that he's getting. Imagine Dalton. Imagine spending one Earth second on like tilting CMC. What even if even if you're even if you're uh, worried about it, what the hell are you gonna do about it? You're not gonna be- you're not gonna bench him. You're not gonna you're, you're never gonna bench CMC. So it's like find something else to worry about. Okay. There's a, there's plenty. Hey, there's a lot of other stuff out there in the world. Even in football, you could worry about in non-football stuff too. So to, to worry about that. Not, not like, Oh, Chris McCaffrey is a little more, less carries than Elijah Mitchell. Give me a break, bro. Give me a break. All right. Well, we certainly hit our Niners timer there. Uh, just about five minutes. Let's move on to the next one here. Tempe Buccaneers, uh, Rashad white leads the team in sh- percentage of the team rush attempts. With 47% since week eight, and he's averaging 4.4 yards per carry. So Dalton, I am very curious about your Rashad White take and where he ranks for you. Like rest of season, do you expect him to take the job over at least the one a job over Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I'd rather the fresher legs and the career trajectory rather him than Fournette on my fantasy team moving forward. And Brady showed some signs of life on that offense. Uh, the receiver's healthier and whatnot. So definitely an interesting player. White, uh, capable receiver coming out of um, ASU, one of the best uh, yards per route run in the class, I believe. Um, so he could be utilized there. And we know Brady loves targeting his backs. And if he completely takes over at the goal line area there, then you're looking at a potential top 10 fantasy back uh, moving forward. But um, obviously it depends on the the snap share moving forward between him and Fournette. And I still bet it's something of a, of a committee there, but absolutely he's a guy with the arrow pointing up where Fournette is pointing down. Yeah, it's got to be... Um... It's got to be at least a split at this point. You know, it's kind of funny because Byron Leftwich has been so insistent that we have to run the ball to set up play action, which is like the data necessarily doesn't bear that out as the case. But in a weird way, if they do become more efficient as a rushing team um, because uh, of Rashad White, they might actually pass the ball better, uh, at least in their play action standpoint. So uh, I like that call there. Let's move on to the next one here. Washington, the commanders team rush share. The last two weeks, Brian Robinson, 51%, Antonio Gibson, 33%. But target share, 
Almost the complete opposite there. 4% for Brian Robinson, 12% for Antonio Gibson. Um, Ron Rivera says he's not sure if Carson Wentz, even when he's healthy, is going to get the starting job back. I mean, I would hope that would be the case, Dalton. But these two running backs, I think, are set up so well, kind of regardless of who starts at quarterback, because of this matchup with the Texans, who are probably the worst run defense in the NFL by a lot. Yeah, you could definitely use both uh, in your or both will be ranked as flex plays at minimum against uh, the Texans are just getting ripped apart by opposing backs. And your guy McLaurin continues to get targeted properly with Heineke. That's just the one thing you can definitively say about Heineke. That, and of course, is, you know, ability to celebrate on plane rides home. But um, McLaurin (laughs) news is the other key here. You know, he just he's up there top 15 ish type fantasy wideout on my rankings weekly because of that quarterback change. Yeah, I really hope it sticks uh, for sure for the, for the Terry McLaurin stuff and just in general. Next one up here, Colts. The Colts were 19th in neutral pass rate in week 10. Jeff Saturday's coaching debut. I, I think that's a nice middle ground for them. They'd gone extremely pass heavy after that mini buy against the Denver Broncos. Um, I don't know that that was the best in the, in the latter days of Matt Ryan, Frank and Frank Reich, that marriage. But I think this, like in what we saw out of Jonathan Taylor probably makes the most sense for the Colts. If they're going to find offensive success in the Saturday era. Yeah, second highest snap rate of Taylor's career. Maybe he's finally healthy. That was his first game ever without Naheem Hines, who's now in Buffalo. So, And Ryan targets running backs more. So arrow pointing way, way up uh, for Taylor, who gets the Eagles defense that's been really, really far worse against the run since Jordan Davis uh, got injured. But uh, yeah, that makes sense with the neutral passing rate. And uh, and um, Campbell. Campbell remains a thing. I can't. Paris Campbell yeah. is going to remain a thing with Matt Ryan back. we got to remember that as well. Absolutely. Definitely on like kind of the wide receiver four, three, four borderline, I guess. Um, hey, if the Raiders do how to tackle, though, we're probably not having this Paris Campbell conversation. Uh, that was a pretty rough uh, catch and run play they allowed. Uh, the league, the league owns a 107 passer rating versus the Raiders this season. For context, Patrick Mahomes is the NFL's all time leader at 105.8. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the Raiders have some pretty clear problems, that's for sure. All right, next team up here, Arizona Cardinals. DeAndre Hopkins and Rondale Moore have a combined 56.7% target share since week eight. But, Dalton, we've got two pieces of news on Arizona pass catchers this week. One, Zach Ertz out for the rest of the season. Uh, we That's another bummer at the tight end position at this point. Um, but Marquise Brown, we found out today the Cardinals have uh, started his 21-day uh, return-to-play window. So um, he could be back in our lives what does that do to um and cliff kingsbury by the way he said he has a chance to play this week does marquise brown i don't know if he's gonna play this week but he's probably gonna play at least in the next couple of weeks here what does that do to guys like hopkins to rondale Moore? Moore is like emerged as a pretty steady wide receiver three play uh the last few weeks he definitely has and it would hurt all their values yeah one more mouth to feed and murray coming back banged up but maybe he won't be running as much with the hamstrings so more passes will be there for them but yeah it's not great news if you have hopkins and rondell moore is averaging 12 targets per game in colt mccoy's last two starts and it looks like mccoy may get another one monday night in mexico against the niners but yeah that that uh wide receiver group could suddenly get crowded as soon as hollywood returns yeah, it could get crowded, but it also could be really fun. Um, I mean, I don't trust no doubt, the Cardinals yeah. to take advantage of anything, but my God, like DeAndre Hopkins playing like he's played this year. Marquise Brown, if he could get back to 
you know, like 90, 85% of what he was because he was so, so good earlier in the year. And then Rondell Moore, like I've t- called him a fake receiver many times, but he's showing this year that I think he can be a legitimate, like I'm not talking like a high end slot receiver, but like a legitimate starting slot receiver, which is really exciting. And the loss of Zach Ertz, as you pointed out, you know, that's going to free up some targets because Trey McBride is a nice pedigree, but he wasn't seeing the field at all. So I don't know how no. ready he is. So so maybe maybe that maybe that offsets it there and all three receivers can eat. It's possible. All right, next team up here, Atlanta Falcons. Marcus Mariota is averaging 13.6 air yards per attempt on late downs since week eight. He is, I talk about like Josh Allen and how he's flinging it uh, at this point, like just kind of throwing it up there, throwing some prayers. Marcus Mariota's throwing a lot of those prayers as well. Unfortunately, just a 70.4 passer rating on those plays since week eight. Um, The results are not there, but Dalton, can we get excited about the Falcons this week finally in the passing game? Because the Bears have just been terrible on defense. Um, their stat later on in the game, and I guess we can just – let's just combine these two here because uh, we're about to talk about uh, the Chicago Bears in a bit. Their defense is dead last in EPA uh, allowed per play since week seven. Yeah, the Falcons have the third highest implied team total this week indoors. I have Mariota as a top 12 fantasy QB, no no doubt, in this matchup. Uh, Bears has been just such a perfect fantasy carnival, you know, with fields going nuts and their defense being horrible, even through a pick six, which is a fantasy manager's, uh, you know, it's, it's great if you have their quarterback. Um, so, yeah, this setup, this week set up for a lot of points scored, and I think Mariota is going to benefit. So I'm with you on this one for sure. Yeah, and just on, again, let's just do Bears right now because, like, that we just read off their stat, like, I mean, that defense is going to just allow Justin Fields to be in more games like this. And, you know, we're not getting chase a lot of Chase Claypool usage, which is interesting because they just traded, you know, what's going to be a pretty decent second round pick to get him. Um, like, I think the 35th overall pick if the draft was held today. Uh, but still, you know, for Cole Komet, for Darnell Mooney, like this is a great matchup for them on the other side. It's not like the Falcons defense is very good either. Yeah, no doubt. So over the last four weeks, the most fantasy point score, this is from Field Yates. Justin Fields, number one. The difference between him and number two is the difference between number two and number 54. I mean, he is just outscoring wow. everyone I, by by 40 points to a, a, a number two over that over that last month's span. I mean, just wild how, how effective he's been for fantasy managers on the ground, all that rushing. So indoors here. Um, David Montgomery, I will say, with Herbert out and the defense is focusing on fields and Atlanta's defense, I don't know. Montgomery, this is a real, real sneaky Sneaky play this week, too. And, and moving forward, could we see another uh, f- strong stretch with a favorable schedule with Herbert out of the way? What is that? Is that is that crazy to kind of think about playing Montgomery and DFS this week, Herman? I don't think it's crazy. You know, they're right now just a pretty good offense. I mean, a lot of it is fields and, and the rushing and stuff like that. But who cares? They're moving the ball. The defense is going to they're going to get them out of like run heavy game strips and stuff. But Montgomery's always been a decent passing down back. And he's c- kind of the reason like why he won't ever completely ice Khalil Herbert out is because of his passing game um, acumen. But yeah, man, I, I feel like David Montgomery is like a top 20 fantasy back yep. on a weekly basis without Khalil Herbert. Yep, I got him 14th this week in this matchup. So yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully it lives up to the to the billing because we're expecting some points to be scored here indoors. All right, we're gonna go past the Packers and do them when we get to Thursday Night Football. We'll get to everybody's favorite topic this week on Fantasy Twitter: um, <laughs> the Amari Cooper home road splits here for the Cleveland Browns in home games, five contests uh, this year, 10.4 targets, 
per game, 6.4 catches per game, 9.6 yards per game. Um, he's the wide receiver five in home games, uh, in road contests, four games this year, 4.25 targets per game, 2.5 receptions per game, 33 yards per game. He's a wide receiver, 97 in PPR points per game when he plays on the road. These home road splits, we've talked about them a lot. They've gone back several years. They're the most extreme they've ever been this year, Dalton. I got a lot of thoughts. What do you think? Um, how about this? Uh, conversely, Donovan Peoples-Jones at home uh, this year, five games. He's the wide receiver, 81. On the road, he's a wide receiver, 31. So he's been benefiting. It's wild. I apologize for my Jacoby Brissett recommendation last week. Despite the matchup, the Browns chose to run the ball in 50% of their first half first downs. It's just annoying. So sorry I didn't, uh, didn't help you out there as a, my, my sleeper call last week. No, that's all right. Um... The the Mari Cooper thing, man, like people have asked, like what like what is the deal with this? I I the thing is like it can be it can be random. Like but I think Amari Cooper is an is a volatile, inconsistent, and slightly overrated player. Um, so it makes sense that he's a volatile producer. It just happens. I think it can be like a coincidence that it happens on the road versus at home. It is interesting that it's gone back years and years and years, and it is so so extreme this this year. But I think he's just a volatile player, so I'm not surprised about the the volatility of the production. Last week, they looked at his splits versus man and, and versus the blitz, and it just looked like a perfect, perfect matchup for him against Miami, and it was just, again, quiet. But I don't know, maybe Xavier Howard shut him down. You said he's always been extra sensitive to to shadow matchups. Maybe that's what happened. But, boy, last week was like, if you look at all, all the deeper stats, suggested it was a smash spot uh, despite being on the road, and the not sleeping in his own bed won out. <laughs> God, it's pretty crazy. All right, Denver Broncos here. Points per game allowed uh, first, 16.6 points per game. Points per game on offense, 32nd, 14.6. Literally, their defense tops the league in points per game allowed. Their offense comes in all the way at the bottom. They, I said this to Austin yesterday. They'd be 8-1 and one if they scored 18 yeah. points per game this year. Uh, yikes. Yeah, if they scored 18 points of regulation, they'd be eight and one. That stats going around. It's it's incredible. And the fact that they went and traded their uh, future for the quarterback position makes it even, you know, all the more crazier. Um, this week I just want to point out that Cortland Sutton could could really benefit if Judy does miss in a matchup with a- aforementioned horrible Vegas uh pass defense. But um yeah, wild how well their defense has played and just how awful their their offense has. Worst rushing attack too in the league. Yeah, I mean, I think that would have been better had Javante Williams not gotten hurt. That's the thing. Like, no I didn't think their skill – I thought their skill position group was was overrated, but Javante Williams was the clear-cut best – the best player, I think, there. And even when they were playing earlier on, it's like, wow, Javante Williams is the best player on the field with Russell Wilson, like, by a lot. And, yeah, anyways, I mean, I just – it just is what it is with this offense at this point. Um, Detroit Lions. DeAndre Swift has gone under 20 snaps in two straight games. He hasn't cleared 10 touches since week one, Dalton. At what point will, uh, like, Fantasy Pro's consensus ranking, I don't even know, I don't know where I have him ranked this week, so don't don't come at me. I have, you know, it's whatever. It's, the, the answers are not filed yet, okay? The, the tests are not due uh, until uh, later in the week. But when will the consensus ranking catch up with this reality here with DeAndre Swift? 
Yeah, he's ECR 30th right now, and that makes sense. I mean, running back's still a pretty thin position, and he's such a you know a player with some upside with any time the ball's in his hand. But he's getting frustrated. I'm just curious how much this is a health issue or not. Um, Justin Jackson saw the field. Too much Justin Jackson last week when you have yeah, DeAndre Swift weird. on your roster, man. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a very, very frustrating situation. He's turned into, like, Antonio Gibson, basically. Um, I, I get that all the targets want to go to Sun God. Amon Ra is so, so good. But, man, I even... I just I feel like Swift uh it's it's been bad. I don't know what to tell you. It's been brutal and he's suddenly a, a flex at best with this usage and it's very very frustrating. Yeah. I, I don't know how you can like ever start him with confidence uh in a in a running back spot. Yeah, if, if you're weighing flex options I think he's there but you're just you're just praying he rips a big play, which he can do cuz he's good, but that's that's basically uh the entire thesis of it there. All right. L.A. Rams, they rank 27th in offensive DVOA. They just lost Cooper Cup for an extended stretch. Dalton, are you with me that like I can't see myself starting a single Rams player rest of season? Totally agree. Stafford's getting about nine YPA throwing into Cup and drops to six without him. Something absurd like that. I've been saying I think they're going to be the worst offense in the league had they lose Cup. I mean, they had the fewest yards per play in the NFL with Cup, and now he's gone. So, yes, I want no part of this offense that's going to have multiple running backs, and it's a total disaster. The Saints, who look like a total disaster right now and not even sure to play quarterback, I made them my best bet in laying four points. I, I think the they, they are in so much better shape here, and the, and the Rams are the team that's, that's in dire, dire, dire situation on offense. Oh, my God. Speaking of dire situation on offense, it's my least favorite offense in the NFL. Matt Canada's Pittsburgh Steelers. Somebody tweeted this at me today, and I thought it was interesting. Deontay Johnson ranks second in ESPN's open score. We've talked about this before. Um, mm. George Pickens ranks 86th in that same metric. Dalton, you know, people, I know that Deontay Johnson, like, not efficient in fantasy. I mean, of course, he's not efficient in fantasy. He plays with terrible quarterbacks in, in a high school offense. I've talked about that already, but, like, you know, I think George Pickens has been really flashy, but like from a consistency standpoint, it's not it's not totally there yet. And that's why I don't think this will ever, at least this year, flip the way people think it will. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder how uh, the difference in what part of the field they're getting open. Um, but yeah, it's pretty. Oh, they both run. There. They both run a ton of go routes. Like the they, same, right, right. they both they both right. are like I believe. Like at one point this year, they're both top five in the amount of go routes they they run. Like and, and I've said before, it's a stupid offense. It's a stupid offense for how it assigns routes and stuff like that. But like the idea that Deontay Johnson's just running little pop gun routes, he only gets targeted on little pop gun routes. But he's, that's not all he's running. Which I know ESPN's does account for all routes run, not just targets. I've been making a point by ranking Pickens one spot ahead of Johnson on my uh, fantasy pros <laughs> ranks, but maybe that's uh, been off base after looking at this. You know, one other thing worth noting here of Pittsburgh is uh, Najee Harris dealing with knee discomfort, so Jalen mm. Warren is going to get more and more touches. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next one up here, Carolina Panthers. We can go fast on this one because who cares, but I had to come up with something to say. Baker Mayfield completed 70% of his passes with a 126 passer rating in week nine when he got in there for P.J. Walker. Um, he was also slamming. I don't. I didn't know the analytics on the amount of uh, headbutts he gave out to his teammates <laughs> when they were wearing helmets coming off the field, but we're back to Baker Mayfield, Dalton, at least for this week. Do you care at all when it comes to Panthers players that Baker Mayfield's back out there? Um, and is he going to destroy DJ Moore's value? Um, the Ravens are tough matchup. Uh, the defense is suddenly looking stingy. So, um, yeah, this, this is a bad situation for, for, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on Mayfield? Are we going to see Darnold next? I mean, do you have any thoughts on the quarterback situation? Cause I don't really have too many takes. I think we see Darnold at some point, like before the season is over. 
I think there is a chance that Baker plays a little bit better. I mean, he can't play much worse than he did earlier in the year, um, just because you know there's a little there's a little bit more clarity in terms of like let's just get the ball to DJ Moore and Terrace Marshall and log out. We don't have to like I don't know. No, I mean I don't really have that many takes, but I, my my main take is yeah, I, I think we see Darnold before the season ends. That's where my main take is. Um, next one up here, Jacksonville Jaguars. Christian Kirk has. 262 more yards than the second highest Jaguars pass catcher. He's on pace for 88 catches, 1,154 yards. Christian Kirk, like, is a top 10 fantasy receiver right now, I think, or at least a top 12 fantasy receiver in half-point PPR, Dalton. He scored seven touchdowns. He's going to go down as one of the biggest draft values from this past year. Yep, he looks great. Uh, follow the money, I guess. Signed the contract, working out of the slot, and, and he's he's really succeeding, even with Lawrence, you know, not doing a total breakout too. So that's that's the other right. nice thing. I mean, there's room for growth here too if Lawrence continues to improve. Yeah, I feel like he'll be a, he's going to be a really interesting player to discuss next year because people will still have like the Christian Kirk stink on it, which I think is unfair to Christian Kirk. But um, I'll be I'll be fascinated to see where he goes next year because people probably won't want to buy into it, but they should. I mean, Christian Kirk's a good player, even if he was overpaid, whatever. I, I really liked Christian Kirk this year. Uh, New Orleans Saints rank 29th in DVOA strength of schedule remaining per football outsiders. I think this one's interesting because yeah, the Saints seem like kind of a sneaky disaster right now. You know, they're on a quarterback carousel between Jameis Winston and, and Andy Dalton, or like people want them to get Jameis Winston back out there, but they don't want to get <laughs> they don't want to get uh, Jameis Winston back out there. But pretty decent in terms of remaining strength of schedule. So um, there could be some moments for Kamara and Chris Olave at some point here. Yeah, it sounds to me like Winston's back injury is just a real thing still, too. This is not going to heal. So it's whether he wants to play through that or not. Um, the last time he played, he actually did target Kamara pretty good there. So hopefully it's not a drastic change either way. Uh, any concern with Landry's return when the Lave did not have a big of a game the first time they shared the field? Just a one one game blip, you think? Probably just a one game blip. Um, I think the Steelers defense had a really nice outing. Like they're another one. I know we talked about it earlier, you know, with T Higgins, like they're one unit that and obviously T Higgins, Joe Burrow, that's a better connection than like Andy Dalton, but they're a defense that like some of their previous metrics might start to look a little outdated with TJ Watt back in there. Uh, I think that was totally, totally a big factor there. Yeah, no fair. Yeah. No, they get a get right matchup this week against this Rams though. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Well, that, that is definitely true. And Chris Olave has been awesome against zone coverage this year uh, in terms of separating, in terms of getting open, running routes like a pro. So I, I think that's a pretty good bounce back spot for him. But having Landry back out there obviously is going to make a big difference in terms of the target percentage uh, for Chris Olave. Only a couple more teams to go before Thursday night here. Las Vegas Raiders. I don't have much to say about this one, but Matt Collins has run a route on 93% of the dropbacks this year. Like when people talk about what's wrong with the Raiders, what's wrong with the Raiders? It's like, their defense, we knew on paper, was not going to be good. Their offensive line, we knew on paper, was not going to be good. Josh Jacobs, people thought on paper, was not going to be good. He's been great. Their passing game looked great on paper, but they're relying on Matt Collins. Darren Waller's been hurt. Like, Hunter Renfro has been a ghost all year long, even when he's been healthy. Like, this was the one good thing about their team, and Derek Carr hasn't played great, you know, with an offensive line that's not protecting well. And Matt Collins has run around on 93% of the dropbacks. Like, that's where we're at with the Raiders. That's why this is not working out. In my yeah, opinion. the defense defense has been a disaster. It sounds the locker room's a real issue, and McDaniel's is gonna be there next year for no other reason than apparently they can't afford to fire him, and Derek Carr <laughs> might be gone. It's a disaster. Foster Moreau can be a top twelve-ish fantasy tight end moving forward with the injuries there, with no Renfro. Um, Holland's had the big game, but yeah, you don't want him running all those routes if you want to win football games. So yeah, it's 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 more of the same uh, frustration for for Raider Nation. 
a lot of frustration there. Uh, last one up, Houston Texans occupying the bottom spot here for multiple weeks now. The Nico Collins show is alive and well. He ran a route on 81% of the dropbacks in Week 10. Highest on the team, Dalton. Is Nico Collins happening? Yeah, I used him as one of my six conviction picks this week. Uh, nice. Season high, 10 targets last week. Brandon Cooks, uh, he's checked out. He hasn't seen more than six targets since week two or more than seven targets. Uh, Washington's allowed the ninth most fantasy points, second most passing touchdowns. Uh, kind of a funnel defense. They rank second against the run and DVOA too. So I think my, our, our guy, Davis Mills, plays way, <laughs> way, way better at home. I'm, I'm not saying he's good, but it's just drastic difference. And I think he'll be competent play at home. I like Collins. I've ranked him aggressively this week. Um, yeah, like the top 30. Yeah, I'll move him up. What, what, top 25 fantasy wideout. Let's go. Yeah, I'm dude, I'm telling you, Nico Collins can play a little bit. And, you know, they're claiming like Amari Rogers off <laughs> Amari Rogers. Good transition to the Packers there. Amari Rogers was waived. What a disaster of a third round pick. Like that was that was a bad pick when they made it. And somehow Rogers has been like legitimately the worst receiver in the NFL in terms of like fumbles, blocking, and then he doesn't offer anything as a pass catcher. So it's like, what do you really do here? Um, the only guy who might be worse this year is his own teammate, Sammy Watkins. But anyways, that makes for a beautiful transition into Thursday You like football. Collins, right? Sorry to cut you off, but I mean, he did yes. that sick move for his touchdown catch. And part of my my uh, bullishness is is you are in on his, on his route running, right? Like you think there's a potential there, right? Yes, I think, you know, do I think he's great? Like, I don't know about that, but I think he can be like a poor man's T. Higgins type of player. Um, that like, work. Yeah, no, I mean, he's got a good release move against press coverage. Like, he's big. He makes awesome catches in the air. And, like, I, I you say our, our guy, Davis Mills. I'm curious, like, how many episodes in a row we've said I, my guy, Josh Palmer, and our guy, Davis Mills. Like, <laughs> we've definitely said that. I've like, already said week. it's ironically. Every every time I say yes, it's your guy, I mean, it's, it's literally the opposite. But, yes, I know. I was – I was uh, – I've, I've – already capitulated this behind the scenes but yes davis mills is not good quarterback there's no there's no future there it doesn't feel like but at home he's definitely far more confident but what he does do well is like i think he got to a point again like right before nico collins got hurt is like oh let me just fling it let me just fling it to nico down there and like and yeah. he'll go get it and and he gets it dude he, he does he 100 gets it so um i'm really excited about uh the nico collins show okay thursday night football a little slightly less exciting. Titans at Packers. Packers are three-point favorites. Um, I think the big thing we got to talk about with Green Bay here, I want to know your Christian Watson take. In weeks one through nine, 10 catches, 88 yards, no touchdowns for Christian Watson. In week 10 alone, four catches, 107 yards, three touchdowns for Christian Watson. Um, I think the main question is, like, are you starting him in this matchup against the Titans, and how do you feel about him rest of the season? Um, yes, it's some, some sort of a pass funnel defense because they're so good against the run. But then again, Tennessee's been good against everyone. They ranked first in DVOA since week seven uh, defensively. But yeah, Watson, there's no one. I I, I, like, I ranked Lazard super high last week. Um, unfortunately, it was Watson, the guy catching the three touchdowns. But um, yeah, I mean, we all know Lazard's just an OK receiver. And Watson's got this crazy, like historical high athletic score. Maybe uh, I was telling my wife, uh oh, maybe he carried Trey Lance in in, in college. Uh, if he's going to be some, if if he turns into some star immediately, it's like oh no. But um, anyway, I was considered a raw prospect coming out of that school, you know, North, uh, North Dakota State, and um, apparently he's healthy, and uh, that was kind of an eye opening performance and downfield with Aaron Rodgers throwing to him and no one else there. What's not to like if he can stay healthy, of course. Help if he's a little more consistent as a player, I think. Um, 
definitely. I mean, look, at, at the end of the day, like from a fantasy angle, you you don't care if he's a consistent player. Like you're gonna, you like a guy like this is gonna be if he can consistently hold down this role. It doesn't matter if he's inconsistent on the field as long as he can hold his role down. You know. He's definitely going to make some errors at the catch point. He's definitely not a full field route runner at this point, but like he can get him, he can get on crossers, he can get open on go routes and like some deep over routes. That's it. Like that's all you really want. Like I still think the player comparison I made by uh, to Martavis Bryant, who shouted to Martavis Bryant, was drafted in the XFL yeah. Uh, yeah. this week. Yeah. I was like, oh, Martavis, Vegas, back in right? The of course, Vegas yeah. took him with their first pick. Yes, yes. Of of course, Vegas. Um, he used to did play had a stint there with the Raiders uh, and John yep. Gruden. Sure, like a third round pick for Martavis Bryant. Wait, now you know that he like ever did anything for them. But anyways, I think Christian Watson, Martavis Bryant, that's a good comparison. Um, so that's the type of player he could be. Uh, rookie receiver on the Tennessee Titans got back last week as well. Traylon Burks tied for second in routes per dropback, seventy six percent. Um, he was tied with Nick Westbrook and Keenan, who absolutely went crazy against the Denver Broncos. Six targets, just 3.3 air yards per target, only 18% slot rate for Traylon Burks. Um, I don't think he's going to, I don't know that we're ever going to be at a point where we start Traylon Burks in fantasy, but he is worth keeping an eye on here. But any other thoughts in this game, Dalton? Just to further add, Watson's only $15 and, and Yahoo DFS. Dobbs is going to be out for weeks with a high ankle sprain. Tunyon just doesn't look fully recovered from that knee injury. Aaron Jones is banged up. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Watson arrow really looks pretty uh, pretty encouraging. Um, Tennessee, that's going to get a whole lot of Derrick Henry, especially against a vulnerable Green Bay run defense. But Burks, the minimum, $10 in our Yahoo DFS game. So certainly uh, intriguing there. And um, nice to see Ryan Tannehill back. Malik Willis, you want to talk about EPA per drop back. Check out Oof. his number. His check out his numbers. It's he's in a different entire league if you look at EPA per dropback. But but so so Tannehill back and a lot of big dog Derrick Henry. I would expect in this game on a short week. Yeah, I mean with the way the Packers run the ball, I mean even though the Titans have an awesome run defense, but and then obviously with the Titans the way they run the ball and the Packers not so great run defense. You know uh, our buddy JJ Zacharyson always talks about the games that are great for East Coast dads being on the East Coast here for the past like a uh, few days. Uh, and, and it's Monday night <laughs> It'll football, be a quick one. This Sunday be a night quick football. One. Yeah, it's gonna be a quick one. And like he's right about that. It's like I don't have kids, obviously, as Dalton said up at the top. I'm I'm kicking that can down the road at least a few more years. My God, it makes a difference for the East Coast dads <laughs> in games like this. Uh, like watching football on the East Coast, difficult for the night games. Very, very difficult. So this one should be over quick. A lot with a lot of production by Aaron Jones and uh, especially Derrick Henry. Imagine not having NFL start at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. I just couldn't even. I couldn't even grasp having to 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 sit through Sundays waiting for them to start. It's a good life, man. All right, Dalton. I think that's going to do it for us. Anything else before we get out of here? No, man. Hope uh, hope you're enjoying your time over there, and we'll talk some uh, preview tomorrow. Yes, sir. We will be talking again tomorrow. You can follow Dalton on Twitter, at Dalton Del Don, if you don't already. You can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Harmon, underscore BYB. And while you're there, make yourself a better fantasy player and improve your timeline by following at Yahoo Fantasy. If you like the show, and oh my God, we just gave you uh, one stat for all 32 NFL teams. How could you not like the show? Please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening on. Since the show is free, it's the best way to support us. Come on, man. We need some, we need some good... We do need some good reviews. We, we are. I, I am imploring you listeners, if you like the show, please leave us some updated reviews so you can help us out on those podcast platforms. Dalton, as he mentioned, will be back tomorrow, assuming he gets a good night of sleep and plenty of fluids. Joining myself and Scott Pianowski to preview a hell of a week 11 slate here. Until then, we're out.